Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Daily Objective. Today, I've got Michael with me. Hey, Michael, how's it going? Going great, buddy. Happy to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our topic today is... Um, oh, bloody oh, no. Uh, my camera's turned off. There we go. Can't ah. have you disappearing. Don't leave <laughs> me here back. alone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why that happened, but there we go. I'm back. Um, our topic today is um, some recordings that were released of um, a conversation between an IDF, uh, basically intelligence official, and a civilian in Gaza, basically talking about um, the the civilian of Gaza was talking about being unhappy with Hamas. And we're going to talk a bit about that, uh, the implications of that, and, and what we think about it. Um, but first, it's day 100 of the war. <clears throat> and I thought maybe we could just start with some just general reflections on the war. I kind of, it might show how naive I am, but I kind of can't believe we got to day 100. I thought this had been over really quite quickly. Um, I've, I made comments early on on the shows to that effect, and now I feel a bit naive since it doesn't seem like it's going to be ending anytime soon. And that's the noises we're hearing out of um, hearing out of the Israeli government. Um, so, Michael, like, so where were you when you heard that the that October set? Where were you on October seventh when you heard about all this? I have no idea. I don't know you where no I idea. was. Uh, no, I, I don't remember. I remember when September eleventh, two thousand one, happened, but October seventh, I, I don't remember exactly where I was. Part of the, the problem although this was an extreme act I, i'm accustomed to hearing about incidents like this taking place in israel and in the middle east so it wasn't that big of a shock to me and then of course as you know i heard more information it seemed worse and worse but initially i didn't think it was what it ultimately would become at least that's how i'm remembering it but who, who knows so i had um at that point, I think I was about a week in. I'd left my job working in a hotel. So I was sort of, uh, I was doing some work for ARC UK, but uh, not too much. And so I was kind of living off some savings. So basically I had nothing to do in the morning. Uh, so and my partner was on, is a, works in the school. So she was um, uh, she was on half-term break, basically. So we, so we were having a lazy morning in, making some coffee, eating some food. So I had no idea <clears throat> literally until um, Razi, I think, sent a message about... We're doing X video on the channel, and that was the video that he and Nikos did. Um, I think around eleven a.m. the day of. I don't know if you remember exactly when it, what time of day it happened, Daniel. But um, that's how I remember hearing about. It. I was completely so I was completely kind of flabbergasted. I couldn't really believe. It. I wasn't even really sure what exactly had happened at first. Um, I just heard that Razi was doing this episode, and um, something bad had happened in Israel. And <clears throat> as terrible as it was, also what I kind of thought was. That, that it seems about right. It's kind of the right amount of time had passed for the for the conflict to break out again. Um, obviously, we didn't know straight away that uh, Israel was going to seemed. Um, and yeah, and I thought it would have been over really quite quick. But um, here we are 100 days later. It's rather unbelievably. Um, but there we go. Anyway, I thought it was worth marking 100 days of the war just with some thoughts because... Um, it's a shame and, you know, almost certainly probably now we're going to get to day 200, I guess, but um, that also seems really far away. But also just it's it's unbelievable how long this 100 days has felt, probably because we're covering it every day. But um, I kind of, it's difficult to remember the time before it was going on for me. Uh, but there you go. Anyway, um, so we'll get to the main topic then. Um, Michael, did you listen to the recordings and what did you think of them? I did. Uh, my thinking on this is that there's going to be several different viewpoints if, if of the people that, that hear it. 
my own viewpoint is that there's two people or whatever it was, a couple people that called and basically praised the IDF uh, for going after Hamas. They said that Hamas has brought them back a hundred years and they're living, you know, the life of Riley in other countries. And my thinking is, well, if there's two people that think that way, there's bound to be more. And my, my what I was wondering was, how do people who say there are no innocent Palestinians register this? And then uh, after talking to with Daniel a little bit and thinking about it, it's easy for them to register it because they just say, oh, the, it's just a few people. It's not indicative of what's going on. To which my retort would be, well, we hold Palestinians in Gaza accountable for a vote for Hamas they took, I think, 17 or 18 years ago. If that's indicative or can be taken as a sign of Palestinian attitudes, then I don't know why a couple of people calling the IDF and praising them for killing Hamas can't be taken as indicative of some. My guess is ultimately it's probably a mixture in Gaza, like it's a mixture everywhere else I've ever known of how people feel about their government. And my position, however, hasn't changed. I think Israel needs to go in and get Hamas. And I also think that to the degree possible, they should avoid civilian casualties. Now, obviously, you can't avoid them all, and that's unfortunate, and Hamas is to blame. But I do think because there are innocent people there, you avoid them when you can. Mm. I also thought the the ramifications of the recording were, were basically on the nature of innocence in Gaza as well. So that, that's also what my mind went to. Um, and I suppose for people who haven't <clears throat> who haven't heard them or to whom this is this is news, uh, which I suppose it should be, um, maybe we'll just summarize them. So basically, um, it's not clear exactly who the person is speaking to the Israeli intelligence official. Uh, their name's obviously not released. It would probably make them a bit of a target if it were. But it seems to be just an ordinary person in Gaza who um, is complaining that... Um, Hamas has betrayed them. As Michael said, they're living abroad. They're living in hotels, um, you know, and and everything's destroyed. Everything's ruined. Um, we need to basically we need to get rid of Hamas. And and this is the kind of sentiment that I think basically we should we've all been hoping to hear from people in Hamas uh, in Gaza. Excuse me. And um, in terms of its ramifications on innocence. So I was part of the uh, one or two debates that we did on the channel <clears throat> with uh, John Waz and Razi and Robert Nasser about the nature of innocence in Gaza. And my thoughts on it, um, as I kind of said on the second time round, are largely informed by kind of the thinking of um, uh, a Holocaust scholar called um, Daniel Goldhagen, um, who takes a very controversial position and lots of people uh, view his book as a libel on uh, Germans. But that basically... Um, the evidence seems to be that anti-Semitism is so widespread um, in the region um, and support from Hamas seems to be fairly, at least, you know, they got about 45% of the vote. So it's at least that much, if not more, probably, you'd have to assume. Um, that there's, a, there's an awful lot of culpability amongst the civilian population for what went on. And the, basically, if anyone turned a blind eye to anti-Semitism or didn't think it was all that bad, then they bear some responsibility for it, moral responsibility in the sense that it's their indifference that allowed these kind of things to happen. Um, now, and then I said, in terms of then uh, judging people as innocent, I think we need to see some kind of, um, as much as this is really difficult, right? Because they live in an authoritarian state and I don't really know how this plays out. But um, 
anyone who's kind of upstanding about the fact of saying, you know, we don't like Hamas, uh, if there's a resistance in Gaza, for example, as they've been in other conflicts in the past, then those people, I think, fully we could judge as being innocent. Um, they don't deserve to be lumped in with people who are allowing this to go on. Um, and basically, I think, listening to the recording, that's what you seem to be hearing from this. They don't say explicitly kind of that they reject anti-Semitism and so on. And the reason why I think anti-Semitism is important is because that's that is one of the root causes that basically sustains the conflict in my mind. Um, but they're saying that, you know, Hamas, they're basically recognizing Hamas for what it is. They they don't care for the lives of the civilians under their care, in effect. Um, they treat them as completely instrumental to their goals of combating Israel. And they've gotten them into an awful situation where their lives are all, all at tremendous risk. Um, so, yeah, so I was so basically the people who, who you're hearing in the recording, um, I think we can judge as being these kind of people who we're looking for, the people who are innocent, for sure. And I also agree with you that. Um, if you're hearing this kind of leaked conversation, then presumably that it is going to be more widespread and that that's encouraging as well. Um, so those are my initial thoughts on it as well. I don't know. You, you seem to be frowning a little bit. I don't know if you disagree with any of what I just said. But No, um, no, no. Oh, no. I, I would just a couple of thoughts came into my head. One was that uh, there's another school of thought, I'll bet, out there that's going to say that these recordings are a plant uh, from the... Israeli government that this is not really sentiment of Hamas it's just Israel trying to justify the war but when you were talking about people living in dictatorships speaking up against authority it reminded me of and let me just state at the outset I can't state enough it's nowhere near what I, as bad where I was as where in Gaza but I will tell you this being in prison and speaking out against the prison system, what ends up happening is the staff turn on you. They, they're they furious about it. But also the other inmates become furious because as lousy as life is, they know it can be worse. And if staff starts cracking down because of what a few people do, it gets every everybody wound up. So the staff, I guess what I'm saying, they try to sow discord amongst the population so that the population will turn on me, in this case, and, and my friend for speaking against the prison situation. And I would imagine in a totalitarian country, it's a similar dynamic, where if you go and speak out against it, the government then retaliates against everybody. And then a, a part of the population will then turn on the people involved. Now, in the, in a situation over there, you're talking about people that may actually kill you over this. So I, it, I do think people should stand up to oppression. I also just think it's very easy to talk about when it's not your life and your family's life that's at risk. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> that's part of why, in a sense, I was... Um throwing up that hand waving about I understand this is like it's a high standard to hold people to and and this kind of conversation I guess comes up a lot um when people reflect about the holocaust because I guess when people first learn about it when they're teenagers and whatever they kind of think you know I would be the family who's sheltering Anne Frank and then um everyone points out that statistically you wouldn't have been uh, and statistically you would have been one of the people who just goes along with this I think that's a, that's completely true but um I guess the thrust of that point is more that people are are much more likely to kind of cave into these pressures um, rather than saying that they should cave into these pressures. If you see what I'm saying, they, um, it still, it doesn't make the case that they shouldn't 
um, resist the Nazis or resist Hamas in this case. Um, now, I'm not saying that I, you know, I would like to think I would have the guts <clears throat> to try and organize like, some kind of French resistance or something. But um, I understand that's very, very difficult. Um, and as you say, in your situation in the prison, it probably is indicative of the situation in Hamas or in Nazi Germany, or wherever, where even people who aren't in favor of the status quo, in a sense, are incentivized to maintain the status quo, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't know what I, I don't know how else to think about it aside from the way I kind of laid it out. Like, I, like I don't disagree with you really. Just um, I think you kind of do need to be, you do need people to be. This is a cliched phrase, but upstanding instead of bystanding about this kind of stuff because it is inaction that um, allows governments to get to to perpetrate this kind of stuff. Um, and if that's a high standard, then maybe that's just how it has to be. I don't know if you have, if you have any thoughts on it, but no, I I don't disagree with what you're saying. I I just I don't think that you can. It's a jump between saying ideally I think people should stand up to their government, but people who are too afraid to, for one reason or the other, that don't, but nonetheless don't support that government, to say that those people are complicit in the acts of the government, I think is a bit of a stretch. And to then take the further leap to say they deserve to die for that is a huge leap. I don't think it's a huge leap to say you have to get Hamas, and if people die by mistake, that's morally justified and Hamas is to blame. And it may amount, either viewpoint might amount to the same amount of civilians dead, right? But I do think it's important to identify the principle that where possible, you evade killing innocent people. I and mean, I don't I don't even know, I think that stating it like that's not controversial. I think where it does become controversial is because different people differ as to what constitutes innocence. Mm -hmm. And in, in my view, if you're just living your life in, in Gaza or anywhere else, you're not actively opposing the government, but you're not supporting them. You're just trying to stay alive and feed your family. To me, you're classified innocent. Mm. Yes. So I think there's maybe some hair splitting. Just before, we got a couple of comments. So I'll read out some super chats just before we go on. So uh, we got $2 from Bonnie who said, did I miss the introduction? What call stroke recording? So uh, I don't know whether you missed the introduction, Bonnie, but the recordings are um, something that was basically spoken about in the press in the last 24 hours um there were some uh, calls with an idf um or an israeli intelligence official and what seems to be um, a civilian in gaza and the civilian is complaining or is opining about how terrible hamas are um they're living abroad in hotels having a nice time and we're suffering this terrible situation where you know almost everyone's going to have had probably a very close family member or friend die um, they're going to be suffering with disease. Uh, um, I mean, their whole their civilization is being torn down, right? Or their their country is being torn down. Whatever. Um, so he's he's opining about that. And uh, Michael and I were saying that we think this um, what's interesting about hearing this, hearing the dissatisfaction with Hamas, um, has implications for how we think about civilians in Gaza being innocent and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then Kindred Amy gives $2 and says, good point, Michael, about prison stroke Gazan's behavior. So those are our Thank you. <laughs> Um We're also actually after this, I should just say to everyone, we've got um, TRS Extra, which is a new show that we're trialing on Sundays, where we do a kind of extra bonus episode of the reality show uh, for members of the YouTube channel. And we don't know exactly, you know, the full format of this 
quite yet beyond the fact that it's going to be similar to the reality show, but it's going to be probably a fair bit more interactive than normal. So if you guys are a member, please make sure you join us for that. And also if you're not, if you decide to be a member, uh, you can come along and we'll be talking about um, <laughs> dealing with internet comments, basically. So uh, your comment, uh, Kendra Jamie, was very nice, but we're going to be talking about ones which are perhaps a bit less nice. Um, and now having said all that, I've completely lost my third of thought for what you said. Um, oh, you were talking about... Um, um, people being innocent and that people army should avoid killing civ civilians. I certainly agree with that in the sense that um, you shouldn't, there shouldn't be wanton slaughter in the sense that like, uh, so there, there's a situation that's gone through the UK courts recently that relates back to the war in Afghanistan, I think, or the war in Iraq is one of the two. Um, and basically where members of the um, special forces in the UK had, um, had taken it upon themselves to go and kind of, warlord over the local population so with with no military justification or knowledge that this was going on they'd kind of stormed into houses and terrorized people uh killed some people tortured them done this kind of stuff and that's and there's there's completely causeless um violence isn't it and it you know i think that's really terrible um as so what do you think about for example situations in world war ii where allied forces targeted um civilian populations like it in a very famous example the fire bombing of dresden and i suppose the rationale yeah. for that was sort of breaking the will of the population well i don't know i like historical analogies but i don't know sometimes how much they fit right in in germany you're talking about a population that from my understanding which of course could be wrong was very anti-semitic anyways you had a Hitler who had the Nazis had been democratically elected by a plurality, I think, but not by a majority. But nonetheless, they had significant support of the population just six years before the war started. Right. You also had a situation where there were six million Jews killed. Who knows how many? You know, I don't know how many other, uh, you know, gypsies were killed, Jehovah's Witnesses homosexuals that you know the experiments they did on people they thought that were unfit you had that that and that's before you even get into the fact that germany was an existential threat to much of the planet right i mean they're trying to take over at least europe i, I mean you know they're they're going east they, they headed west they, they got czechoslovakia they got parts of poland they got france so and there's no sign of them stopping. And there's also the specter of them ending up with a nuclear weapon. So I think the, the situation there is far more dire than it is for Israel. As horrible as these attacks were, I do not think that Hamas is an existential threat to the planet, the way Hitler was, first of all, and probably not even to Israel. A serious threat, yes, but existential, I, I don't think so. I might be wrong. I'm not an expert on, on Hamas's military capabilities. I'm just going by what I, you know, I read and, and see on, on television. So I don't think that, and that war also had carried on for six years, right? I mean, it, it was a long war, millions and millions dead. So I don't know that the, the analogy is exact, and they also didn't have the type of capabilities back then that we have now for targeted attacks, precision weapons. They didn't, you know, the, the modern technology is pretty amazing. The intelligence is better. So you have a, a, a better opportunity to avoid civilian casualties. 
All that said, I'm not, I want to make it clear as I possibly can. I am not saying that you can never have civilian casualties. I'm just saying if they can be avoided, they should be, even if, by the way, it takes a little bit of effort. And there's also, aside from the, the effects on the civilians, I'm reminded of, of a, a quote. I used to watch this show, The Blacklist. And the the anti-hero of the show was a guy, Red Reddington, who killed a lot of people. And his daughter said to him, referencing somebody else, she says, he's not like you. He can't just kill somebody and have it have no effect on him. And Red Reddington laughed and said to her, nobody can kill somebody without it having any effect on him. So there's that, too, that when you have soldiers going in there and killing civilians, it's easy to say, you know, oh, so what? But when it's you that's done it, 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 it may have an effect beyond the immediate, you know, uh, goals of the attack. So I just think that it's just wise to ignore, the, to avoid those types of things when you can. Sure. And um, <clears throat> I guess there's a question about the effectiveness of bombing civilians. And so <clears throat> Israel declares very ardently that what they're not doing is deliberately targeting civilians and they're, and they're sort of defending themselves. Sorry, excuse me. I'm, I'm rubbing ointment into my hand as I talk. So it might look a bit weird when I'm doing that. <laughs> um, Israel's defending itself in the, on the, in the international court of justice um, on the basis that they're very deliberately not targeting civilians. Um, and if they, and were, I'm not saying they are, by the way, no, no, I'm no, talking no. about the theoretical arguments that we have. I'm not suggesting that Israel is doing such a thing. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm just sort of a, uh, I don't know, explicating maybe. Um, <clears throat> so it would it would certainly be, um, Israel would definitely have told them lies if they if if it turns out they had been deliberately targeting civilians. Um, and the provisions of international law are such are basically along the lines of what you've kind of um, said that Israel can take action which results in civilian deaths as long as they they're doing it with military. They have a military target in mind, so some kind of military installation or um, soldiers, officials, things like that. Um, I guess the question I about um, targeting the civilian population is about how effective it is. Um, now, I, you know, there's a question. There's, I guess there's a question aside from the kind of utilitarian consideration. Um, there's a moral consideration there as well. I definitely blanch at the idea of um, killing people. Uh, so it's not like I'm saying this with enthusiasm, um, but. So if it were, if if you actually can break the will of a population like that, um, which maybe you can, maybe you can't, because um, all the things that I remember being taught growing up about the Blitz in the UK when the Nazis were trying to do the same thing was that actually kind of support for the war rose the more um, the Nazis bombed London. So is it, it, you have to have that consideration in mind. Um, I would just, I would maybe my, you know, if your position is here, maybe I'm sort of just slightly on the other side of it, just in that... Um, I, just, I think you probably can target the population um, as long as there's effectiveness there. If it actually helps bring the war to a close more quickly, since the government is there to kind of protect their own soldiers' lives and to protect the lives of their, their civilians, if they're actually able to judge that it would bring about the end of the war quicker, then maybe the, I think maybe they can do that with justification. Um, but I'm, I'm not sort of easy in that conclusion, if you can't tell. I can tell. I also think that that would be a very difficult conclusion to to come to, 
on either either way with a, any degree of certainty. I mean, you can point to Japan. Yes, after two atomic bombs were dropped and, and killed civilians, they did surrender. But there's also situations where, like you pointed out, where, where hitting civilians just pisses people off and then they become more mobilized to fight the war. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's it's tricky, but um, I guess bring it all the way back around. Um, it's really encouraging to see that there is this kind of sentiment. Um, and this is the kind of um, this is the kind of sign, I guess, I've been looking for. And I think broadly people in the West have been looking for as well, that there's dissatisfaction with the population against Hamas. Because um, at least I'm not aware there's been any signs of it before, because basically Hamas um, controls the strip with an iron fist. And any public statements of uh, resentment against against Hamas is going to be treated very harshly. Um, any final thoughts, Michael, before we wrap up before TRS Extra? No, just it's been a great discussion. Uh, thanks for having me again. Appreciate yeah, it. My pleasure. Um, so as I said before, everyone, we've got TRS Extra coming up in just a few minutes. Um, that's for YouTube members only, I believe. Uh, do, Daniel, do people who are members of uh, just ARC UK in general also have access to this? Uh, yes, they'll have uh they can actually join in the zoom link so they can find it on whatsapp there you go you can actually be in our zoom call as well hallelujah all right guys uh thank you so much for joining me michael and thank we'll see you. the rest of you in a few minutes i'm gonna grab a coffee and michael you're with us as well i think on TRS. i am yes yeah so we'll see both both of us will see you guys in just a few minutes